We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. there everybody welcome back to white people problems an oc recap podcast where i take matt into newport beach and hilarity ensues uh my name is we joe hope. Oh, we hope <laughs> we, we hope that hilarity we hope ensues. uh my name is joe <laughs> and i am matt joe we're talking about episode three the gamble <laughs> and i messaged you in the middle of watching this episode, and I said, when people roll their eyes that you're watching the OC, this is the worst case scenario for what they're imagining this show to be. You <laughs> are 100% correct. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I'm just watching it. I'm like, this is so dramatic. <laughs> like, every second is so over the top. I was texting someone. So, so we... After this, we're also recording episode four, and I was texting a friend of mine about the fact that I'm doing this podcast, and she said, is it like Degrassi level of melodramatic? And I said, I've never seen Degrassi, but the show is everything that I imagined Degrassi to be. In Mm -hmm. just four episodes, kids have been in juvie twice, there's been like six fist fights, a house was burnt down, a car was stolen, and there's a money laundering subplot. (laughs) Like, this is all so much in four episodes of this show. There's there's a little bit of like, hey, here's what the Coens are up to, but in general, it starts with Ryan back in juvie, Sandy Cohen walks in, and I, I just, I love this man. I love Sandy Cohen so fucking much he is such a likable person yeah he it, it really was like they they tried to make this the i said in the last few episodes they try to make this the uh peter gallagher vehicle by making him come in and you know focusing on him being this you know fantastic lawyer 
Which, like, great. I love a, I love a big bushy eyebrows. I love a big Papa Cohen moment. I just think that, like, we're four episodes in and we've already seen this kid in, like, two different prison jumpsuits. Which, I got a lot of problems with this. So, <laughs> Go for, for the it. listeners who... For the listeners who might not know this, I, I at one point for a week I got to teach in a juvenile detention center, I teach podcasting specifically, mm-hmm. and admittedly it was a very like low security juvenile detention center, but it was not prison. Like this juvie is just a jail set. Like it's they are they are in prison. Specific visitation hour, table room, like behind bars at all times. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the place that I was at was and and maybe my place that I was at was the exception to the rule. But the place that I was at it was almost like a very heavily guarded boarding school. But mm-hmm. they did have to wear like their gray covered like jumpsuit uniform, but like they were frisked when they went walked into every room and stuff like that. But Beyond that, it was just a regular school that I was in. It wasn't like there was bars on every window and sure. like I don't know. I just there's there's this part of me that's like, is he in jail or is he in juvie? Because they don't look identical. No, <laughs> like, he he's like in full gen pop, like <laughs> like, yeah, like I was like, wait, what the fuck is he doing in Attica all of a sudden? Like, yeah, like it's for for like just being near a house burning down with no evidence that he was tied to the fire. Like, it seems dramatic, let's say, for him to be there already. And then Ryan's already, like, we're three episodes in and there's prison fights in this show. Like, that's, Mm -hmm. like, and it's, like, it's, like, Shawshank Redemption-level prison fight. Like, guy picking him up and slamming him on a table with, like, a knife, like, a fork at his neck. Um, and I've got a, there's more that happens in a couple seconds, but like, I got a lot of questions just about the security in this juvenile <laughs> detention center. Cause they let things escalate pretty crazily before they step in every yeah. time that we're in this r- building. Yeah. Like again, Attica, like, uh, w- like we get, you know, it's, it's very much that Michael Jackson song, you know, they don't care about us. Like, <laughs> yeah. What I appreciate here though, is that this is taking a little bit of liberties here but i could you could say that like episode one Mm -hmm. is about sandy cohen learning to love ryan Mm -hmm. episode two is a little bit of like seth and and marissa learning to love ryan Mm -hmm. but this episode is definitively kirsten learning to love ryan she's the last Um, one that's fully on board yeah and it's and there are moments where I don't know if there was anything where I straight up had like some tears coming out, but there were moments where I like put my hands over my heart was like, oh, and and early on is Seth is trying to sneak out. He's going to apparently skateboard his way to Juvie, which is a in very Chino. in Chino, in by Chino. the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from Newport to Chino. He's going to skateboard there. Kirsten catches him. And there is this. There is this theme that really pops up in this episode. It's been really obvious out the gate to me that like Sandy does not really like the overall Newport Beachness of society, mm-hmm. but like he's married to someone who's part of that. This is the episode where we really start to see how little Kirsten still cares for the Newport Beachness 
of living in Newport Beach. So they're trying to plan a casino night, but she's finding any excuse to like not be there mm-hmm. for the planning. And she does that that thing that I love to hear in like poorly written dialogue where it's like even the writers couldn't be bothered to come up with a fake excuse. So she just says, I have to go check on that thing. <laughs> <You're just> like, <laughs> I'm I'm a like, career woman. I have to go check on that thing. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, uh-huh. All right. Um, but it does raise a question to me. Have you ever been to a casino night? Actually, have I? Yes, I actually have. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I used to work at a hotel and the kind of like employee gala, which was always around the holidays. Um, one year the gala was like Vegas themed. And so they did have in one of the bigger ballrooms, they had a company come in and do a bunch of like casino games. So, nice. so that was fun to do, uh, to do that. Yeah. But I've we, also been I've, to like an actual casino. So <laughs> I've, I've been to an actual casino. I've done like two and a half casino nights, I mm-hmm. guess technically three and a half depending, but like the one was in college. We definitely planned a casino night as a fundraiser for something mm-hmm. at one point, not the most popular fundraiser we've ever done, which was shocking because kids would literally sit and play Texas Hold'em for hours Sure, in, in the cafeteria so we thought hey here you can actually win money on a variety of things with a real life dealer and they were like now we're good with our table Mm -hmm. but then for two years in a row uh the last two years that i worked at my desk job before covid hit uh for the work party we would be like they would we would have our cocktail hour they would move us into the um dining hall for our our sit down dinner and then the first year they surprised us they opened up the doors and while we were eating dinner for the hour they had converted the cocktail room completely into a casino night room and had given us all like $30 worth of chips to play whatever games we wanted they couldn't be cashed in for money but they could be cashed in for tickets to put into like a silent raffle sure. type thing and then that was so popular they did it a second year um, I participated in neither one of those, um, mostly because the only stuff that I even felt remotely comfortable spending my tokens on would have been like a couple rounds of like blackjack or something that's sure. like low energy, simple game. And since that was where everybody was and it was like overcrowded, I was like, I could just hang out and talk to my friends from work instead sure. while all the people I don't like from work are playing card games. So... Uh, that was the closest I've ever come to a casino night, but I'm not against it. I actually would prefer a casino night to an actual casino because if I go to a casino, I'm going to do is put like twenty dollars into a slot machine and just like lose twenty dollars and then be done with it. Sure, but I like a good low stakes card game. You know what I mean? Like a hey, here's some tokens that don't mean anything. Like sure, I'll play a round of poker with like money that I'm not afraid to lose because it's not real. <laughs> Exactly. Like no one likes to lose money. And that's, no. you know, uh, that's the surest way is to just, you know, play a, a bunch of blackjack. I, I know that because there was um, in my in a previous job, I it was like a particularly rough summer. And I would like drive to the casino that was closest to my house immediately after work. And sit at a blackjack table for hours just decompressing and compartmentalizing the day. Of all of the card games, it is the easiest one to just shut your brain off and just sit there and say, hit me, hold. And that is like all you need to be capable of doing. Exactly. Uh (laughs) And if you play by the book blackjack, then, you know, you you're actually not 
it's actually fairly predictable what you're going to yeah. be doing. The thing that made, made my heart squeeze out the gate is mm -hmm. Seth is trying to skateboard to Chino, mm -hmm. gets caught by Kirsten, who is snuck outside because she had to go check on the thing. And she's yelling at him and she says to him like, well, what would you like to do? And he said, I would like for you to come with me. And without hesitation, she just says, okay. And like the quickness in which she was willing to like go and visit this kid that she doesn't know in juvie because it's so important to her only son. Like, Oh, like my heart, like, like broke just a little bit from that. Um, so Seth decides that he's going to run over to Marissa's house and see if she wants to come with um, because, you know, him, Marissa, and Ryan have formed this nice little bond. And this is where we get some good old-fashioned mid-2000s homophobic prison talk from Summer. Still hate Summer. Still don't see the appeal of Summer. But man, Seth can't even look at Summer in a very not-revealing bra without just stammering like an idiot. Just, I don't get the Summer attraction at it's all. It's not great. It's not great. Which, like, you know, again, this is a little bit of foreshadowing, but... To be fair, Summer has, like, the most defined arc of, <laughs> of like, her character development in terms of, like, the, in terms of, like, the series, the episodic structure of the entire series. She has the best arc. Okay. I'll, I mean, I'm keeping up mine. I hated Paris with the first season or so. Yeah. Gilmore Girls, and then I absolutely adored Paris in every rewatch. So... It's I'm not I'm not uh, thinking that she's beyond redemption, but I am I, I honestly dislike Summer to the point that it makes me disrespect Seth a little bit more. Where I'm like, this is this is the person you've dedicated it all to, and say and like say that Matt, like seriously, we'll we'll talk about it in the next episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> but but like they're really like how how like I, I lose respect for you because you like this you know living like trash human being yes um, so yeah um, especially and being like you know being young a young gay fellow right like that's kind of like low-key thirsting over seth cohen being like her like which yeah. <laughs> which, which was like my kind of like early <laughs> early queer crushes on straight men were always like her he was yeah you know it was very like you know alexa play um dancing on my own by robin <laughs> do you know the story of that specific song in philadelphia right now though there's a whole thing what <laughs> yes this is the dumbest thing, and it's the most frustrating thing. Did there is like, like a do a music video about it or something? Or? No, there's a slow ass country cover of that song by yeah, like by Colin Scott, I think his name is, or or Col Colum Scott, and the pitcher for the Phillies decided that that country song was his hype-up song, no. and it became the hype-up song for the whole team. So when they were going to the World Series, anywhere you went in Philadelphia for like two weeks during the, the playoffs and World Series, you would just hear this country version of Dancing With Myself, and like on the internet, you would hear everybody being like, just listen to the Robin version. The Robin version is so much better than this. Is he gay? No. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> he just really liked Columbus. I am willing to bet he had zero clue it was a cover. Like, I think that he was just like, hey, this country artist I like does this really great song that brings me joy. <laughs> like, okay, well, I just I just added it to my library, and I will, I will give you my thoughts on the song. You uh, will listen to it exactly one time and then be like, I will just stick with the Robin version that I know and love. Well, see, here's, so here's the thing, right? There, there was a, there was a cover of uh, Dancing on My Own that came out a few years ago that was also by a male artist, but I don't know if it was Callum Scott. That might or... be the one. It might be that the might one. be the one. See, but he uses the female pronouns implying that he's lusting after a male, I believe. So, oh, maybe not then. Cullum Scott version was in 2016, so that may have been the one. That adult that, contemporary I think that's pop. The one. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Somehow it became the song of the Phillies this year. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I can't explain it, but yeah. So I have to ask. I, I hinted at this already, but Kirsten and Seth go to visit Ryan in this juvenile detention center. And while they're trying to have a conversation, a dude is just straight up sexually objectifying Kirsten and security does zero (laughs) to to handle the situation until it is full blown fisticuffs on the floor of this prison. Considering that it is like, it's not juvie. It's like literal prison. Basically. I mean, like we are supposed to believe it's juvie, but it's basically literal prison you would think that there would be a little bit more security. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would imagine. Yeah. But this is this moment seeing this happens makes Kirsten have her full change of heart where she, she realizes if this kid stays here, this kid is going to die. Mm -hmm. Like they are going to murder him. And like, let's give it up for like Francis Capra, right? Uh, AKA Weevil from, (laughs) From Veronica Mars. That's what he was from. I was like, I know this guy. Why do I know this guy? <laughs> yes, Weevil. Veronica Mars, which is a show, you and I have talked about the idea that if if white people problems was to like become more popular than we could ever imagine and we had to do a show after the OC, I was like, Veronica Mars might be strong contention for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that or Pretty Little Liars, which I've never seen a second of. I have also never seen Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> so that could be a fun fun follow-up because I feel like that's probably packed with white people problems. Yes. Well, like I was thinking like <laughs> the original Gossip Girl too. That was the third yeah. one that I had in my head because I've never watched that either. But all right. We've still got... 20 or 93 episodes of the OC to go through. So we'll, we'll worry about that when that time comes. But if you're listening and you really have a hot take on which of those three shows we should possibly do next, if we do anything, let us know something that I, I like was, I wouldn't say I was screaming at my TV, but I was definitely screaming in my notes. Kirsten still uses this argument where she's like, we do have to find his mother though. Mm -hmm. And and Seth's like, what if he doesn't want to be with his mother? He wants to be with us. And she uses the, like, he's just a kid. He doesn't know any better. And mm-hmm. I'm like, motherfucker's 17 years old. Like, you can't use the he's just a kid argument. Like, at most, he's going to be under your roof for maybe two years. Yeah. <laughs> like, this isn't like you're talking about, like, an eight-year-old who's just like, I don't like my mommy. Like... Clearly, if he is 17, it's like, my mom is a bad thing for me. Like, we don't need the next episode that shows us how bad of a relationship that is. We should just 
take this kid's word at that point. Yeah. Also, like, like at the end of the first episode, she like left. Yeah, she abandons him. <laughs> well, she bounces. kicks him out, and then kicks she him out abandons him, and then him. moves. Yeah, and then abandons. Like, yeah, this is the one we gotta get him back in touch with. Come on, Kirsten, get it together. <laughs> This is where her Newport shows. This is where she's like, you know, uh, there's a, it's that thing where like old money is very proper. There's a proper way of doing things, which, you know, to her credit, being who she is, like, she married Sandy Cohen, like, you know, he's, and it's this so the like polar opposite of everything that that community stands for and, you know, nurtures the better side of the better side of Kirsten in my mind. And we cannot. I mean, as we're shoving more and more praise on Sandy Cohen, all the respect in the world to Sandy Cohen for hearing people talk mad shit about him. And like, I feel like in nine out of 10 shows, he would just silently listen to them talk shit, maybe feel a little sad, but mostly feel like a bit of a superiority. Not Sandy Cohen. Sandy Cohen makes sure that they know that he is there and that he has heard every goddamn word that they have said about him. Like, just marches over the table, sits down, still cool as a cucumber, talking to them about it, um, which leads to this great line with, uh, I, I, to this day, I do not know her name, but marissa's mom julie cooper <laughs> julie cooper all right because i know jimmy i know marissa and then it's always just marissa's mom okay you're <laughs> gonna put some respect on julie cooper's name because she is like my favorite character of the oh, entire series we'll see how because she's she's pretty low ranking for me right now but just she... i have a lot to say about julie cooper as we continue so just <laughs> okay you will I'll lock that in here uh, yes, lock, lock that in it here. in matt because we're going this is a julie cooper stan account um but, but we'll, we'll, when but, she says, yeah. when she says, he said I was from Riverside, and Jimmy goes, but you are from Riverside. She goes, well, it was the tone in which he said it. But uh, one of the quotes that I fucking loved in this whole episode is Ryan is helping Kirsten set up, and they're having this conversation about what she does for work, and he's actually taking an interest in it because he has some experience from past jobs, and he says you know, I used to want to be an architect. And she says, well, what do you want to be now? And he just says 17. Mm-hmm. And it is su- like, that's where I'm like, that's good fucking writing right there. Yes. <laughs> like, Q, that is- <laughs> Q Janice Ian at 17 playing in the background. Yeah, like, but it is, it's like, that is, as much as I can talk shit on a lot of the beats that happen in this episode, that line is so beautiful because it really says how much ryan has had to deal with as a guy as a kid where it's clearly been that he has had to be the adult in his family's life Mm -hmm. and now he's at the cohen's and all he's looking forward to with being at the cohen's is actually just getting to be a kid like being a dumb kid for a little bit and Mm -hmm. boy do we get to see some dumb kid shit in the next episode or two because but i love the writing of that line i think that that is top-notch dialogue right there but I'm about to disrespect your girl because I literally wrote Marissa's mom is the fucking worst. I've heard people talk shit on Jimmy and maybe even I did in one of our first episodes, but I'm warming up to him a bit and I am liking her less. Now, then the next episode happens and my feelings on Jimmy change slightly. But (laughs) at this point in time, I'm just like, God, Marissa is terrible. (laughs) Like just 
or Marissa's mom is terrible. Ju- Julie Cooper, ugh, like again, I'm open to again. True, I hated Emily Gilmore for a while. Like I hate, like yes, yes. My opinions of people change if the show's writing convinces me. But at this point in time, I feel like I'm supposed to not like Julie Cooper anyway. Yeah, she also has like, I mean, I hate to say it, but she does have like this very witchy RBF, you know, going like (laughs) RBF face. She plays this. Oh, my God. I think her name is Melinda Clark. Um, the actress uh, she she goes on to play like one of my favorite characters in the cw show nikita <laughs> if you okay re- if you remember nikita I do not no i do <laughs> um she also is like she has like a recurring guest role in the original csi where she plays like a dominatrix i think it's mistress amanda <laughs> that that like is in love with grisham like she just has like the bad she has the career that i want as a performer like i just want to come in and like serve face and deliver lines and stuff but the, the, yeah you're you're definitely supposed to you're supposed to empathize with the kids and not see it from the parents point of view but like i don't know if it's because i am older now like I really think that Julie Cooper, everything that she does, especially in the first season, is, like, entirely justified. And I can, like, totally see myself making the same calls. But, okay. but you know, again, it's that Riverside thing. It's that, like, I, I come from old. I, I come from nothing. And so I want the scarcity of, of that I'm really concerned about. Because I know what it's like to live in a trailer and all of that. Which yeah. I want to ask you. Okay, so... The Riverside discrimination is is a is a correct thing. It's like you're from Riverside, like you know, <laughs> that's definitely something that in at least in Southern California, <laughs> there is there is uh, people feel a way about in your area. Like, what is the Riverside of like your area? Um, it is it is actually this is very easy um, <laughs> because and are I you from live... there? <laughs> no, I'm just outside of it. Uh, it's Chester. And it's Camden, New Jersey. Um, both of them have, I think they're both the, they're usually in the top 10 murder rate in the United States. I know they're the highest murder rate in both of those areas in the East Coast. And it's it's sad, honestly. Like, I'll hear people talk about, because, like, I literally live five minutes from Chester, mm-hmm. where I'm at. But it's one of those situations, and I wonder if Riverside is the same in this, where it's like, the Chester problems stay in Chester. They never in, introduce themselves into our town, even though it's a five-minute divide. But, like, mm-hmm. around Halloween time, people will drive their kids into our area to go trick-or-treating. And I have zero problem with that, but there are people that have a huge problem with that. And if they see that it's a bunch of Chester kids coming to trick-or-treat, they'll, they'll literally shut off their lights and lock up their doors. And I'm like, Why? For what reason? Like, so so you you are aware that Chester is a dangerous place, so much so that you don't want to go there, but you're like, well, fuck these five, six-year-olds. They should risk death just to get candy because I feel uncomfortable with people who are different than me coming into this town to get candy. How do they know that the kids are from Chester? Oh, here's where we get into the racism, racism? of the East yeah. Coast. Oh, it is. It might be a skin pigment that gives away the difference between a person from this town and the next town over. It's rough, and that's the stuff that I don't like. And I actually, 
one of the many things uh, I think we've talked about on here, but I, I work for a church. I work uh, specifically with the youth in the church. And something that I've always loved is that a per- one of the oldest people that's worked with the youth who still works there today, he worked there when I was a youth, um, was a police officer who specifically focused on like child abuse cases. Like he was like more, he was former cop turned like almost undercover detective. So he does a lot of that, like to catch a predator stuff, but Mm -hmm. his choice in doing that was to focus more energy on the township of Chester. He actively requests to be working on those cases because he knows that those are the types of cases where if there's a child being abused or being, uh, put in a bad situation, it's like, ah, well, it's Chester, and they'll just like leave it alone sure. if not for him making the request. He is the Sandy Cohen. He's saying, no, I want to be there and help these kids. And there is an element of, I'm, I'm sure in any case, there is an element of a little bit of a white saviorism in there, but I think more than anything, it's just a, if I don't do this, no one is going to help these kids, and then sure. these kids' futures are already determined before they've had a chance to make their future choices i smell reboot yeah <laughs> the cc the chester county yeah the chester <laughs> county. Oh. um but yeah welcome no, to the it's... cc bitch <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's uh it, it's it's that's definitely the big one that is the one where it's like oh because that's also one of those cases i'm not sure if this happens in california but like it is not uncommon that if you are a kid who lives in in Chester County but you have any relative that lives anywhere near Delaware County you will use that address to be able to go to the nicer safer school um and again i've got no problem with it many of those kids end up being valedictorians at the school because they're you know put in an educational situation where they can just focus on their studies and not worry about like the bullshit that's happening in a bad area of town. But there are definitely people who raise a fucking fit about this and want to try to get these kids caught for using a false address so that they get kicked out of the school sure, and sure. sent back to back to where they belong, quote unquote. Now, people suck. Society sucks. And that is a topic that they do hit a lot on the OC. And they hit it so far pretty okay. What they don't hit well is not depicting addiction the way that you would in a high school play with just shaky hands. And <laughs> so, so Ryan's mom shows up and they're like, hey, come to casino night. You haven't drank for a month, which like, I don't know how many people you know that deal with addiction. I know quite a few. Mm -hmm. A month is not enough time to throw someone in the deep end of where there's going to be alcohol freely available and be like, hey, have fun. Go gamble. Go gamble. um, (laughs) Surrounded by, you know, a bunch of lush, rich people, you know, just. (laughs) Which this is the thing that blows my mind is when when Ryan's mom gets so drunk in this casino, she falls. This casino night, she falls down. This town is acting like no one in the history of Newport Beach has ever gotten sloppy drunk in the history of this town. Which, like, <laughs> we won't talk too much about next week's episode, but like, literally, next week's episode, there's a full blown fist fight. And I was like, but these people are worried about what Ryan is going to do to their town. Yeah. Like, their town's a mess. <laughs> Newport Beach is a fucking mess, whether Ryan is there or not. I hate 
so much of the Ryan's mom at this casino thing. I wrote down that this casino night is a comedy of errors minus the comedy. It's just like, errors. It's it is, all errors. It's all errors. Summer Summer and Seth building a pseudo relationship because him blowing on her dice seems to be giving her good luck. Yeah. I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ, this shit. I'm like, well, like, I was so over it. Also, <laughs> we're, we're also we're like meant to believe that Ryan's mom is like, is, uh, you know, it wasn't enough that she was just poor and a drunk. Like now she's also some kind of con artist. Like she counts cards. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah like, we really got to stack the deck, pun intended, against yeah. Ryan's mom here. This is like too much. This is I I think the next episode that we're going to talk about it's it's a little bit more palpable to me but like this is just too fucking much for me. It's like there's too many moving pieces of just devastation and tragedy happening left yeah. and right. But the um, but the reason why it all kind of works, right, is like it's similar to why Gilmore Girls work. It's the goofy camp of it all. But then you have yeah. the moments like, I just want to be 17. Um, yeah. Or at the very end of this episode, when Ryan's like, I'll unpack later. Like that moment always gets me. Like I literally just wrote, how do you not love the joy on Ryan's face when he says, I'll unpack later? Like that is a great, that's essentially the last line of the episode. Um, it's a perfect way to end the episode after all the chaos. The the one thing that doesn't hold up with the Gilmore Girls comparison, I think, with this show, so far anyway, is that to me, when I was watching Gilmore Girls anyway, the Gilmore Girls essentially became my least favorite characters in the show. Mm -hmm. Like, like my enjoyment of Gilmore Girls was all of the craziness that is like the wacky, lovable townsfolk of Stars Hollow. Mm -hmm. Um, And it made like the bitchiness of people at Chilton more palpable. It made like Lorelai's struggle with her parents more palpable because there were always these huge comedic relief breaks of like whatever the fuck they've got um, Sean Gunn up to. You know what I mean? Like, like this, we don't get that. It's like this show wants to make sure that we care about the Gilmore girls and nobody else so much so that like, I'm not getting a lot of relief from like, oh, here's like a wacky, charming side character here at Newport Beach. Like, they're all awful. Like, everybody here is awful, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the Coens. I do hope that that changes. There was a glimmer of hope in the next episode where I'm like, oh, this is like a charming person that I'm sure will only be here a couple episodes. But maybe, maybe. But all in all, I, I... I would say that this is probably my least favorite of the four episodes I've watched so far, but it's still, I've watched such worse television in my life. And yeah, I love that, like you said, that 17 line, the I'll unpack later, like when you're hitting those mm-hmm. beats, it's so good. I I just wish that the casino night of it all wasn't such a fucking over the top melodramatic train wreck. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing that like you have as a mid-season finale or you have in a finale, right? It's the it's the we'll talk about that next week. I think next week has some details that are revealed where I'm like, how is this episode four and not like literally like the mid-season break episode? Like it doesn't make from a writer standpoint, it doesn't make sense. And I'm actually excited. We're going to have our first guest next week who is a writer. And I would love to dissect that with with them as well. Because it is kind of like a, why would you reveal all of this so quickly? Like, these are a lot of cards to throw on the table this quickly. We took it all. 
we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Let's talk about the music. So there, the first two episodes, there was a ton of music in each episode. This one had three songs. There was Brooks' Wanna Be Happy which plays when we're hanging out in Marissa's room in mm-hmm. Summers, uh, making her really timely prison jokes about Ryan. Mm-hmm. There's James Horner's version of Sing, 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 which is like the whole first half of the casino. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, Turin Breaks Rain, Di- Rain City, which plays as Ryan's mom decides to leave uh, and gives Ryan to the Cohens, realizing that the best gift that she could give her son as his mom is to give him to a mom that will love him more than she can is to abandon him like is to to abandon him which to be fair she ain't wrong no (laughs) she's she's... not wrong she is not wrong (laughs) but but like that whole bad conclusion to come to as a mom before we go on to the music the whole that part where she like waves and he's like waving at her like bye not even gonna hug me not even like yeah nothing like the shame the shame that she has to feel right to just be like well, I failed, so I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. And then car drives away. But what so of those three songs, is there one that particularly jumps out at you as the song of the episode? It's sing, sing, sing. I mean It's one hundred percent sing, sing, sing. <laughs> the presentation of that song with all of the chaos at the casino. Like before Ryan's mom starts drinking, I am actually having fun at the casino. I can deal with the goofiness of like the the love triangle that's happening with Marissa, Luke, and Ryan, and like the Seth and Summer, where she keeps calling him Stanley, but is like using him for good luck. Like this is like at a level that is palpable to me. Well, it's and- also like the they're using the different like the different phrases in the song. Yes to relate to the action that you know like when you get to the you know like it's just like they're they're really build they're also like building up 
to something as well. And it's just, you know, and it's, it's, it's an iconic song, right? Like it's, we, we it's a we, classic song. It, the only thing that's miss, missing, honestly, in a better show, this would have been a tracking shot. You know what I mean? Like this would have been like a three, like three to five minute tracking shot of mm-hmm. we're just like moving Goodfellas style, like through them yeah. coming in the casino and just kind of, this was definitely not the time in TV where people were getting creative and being like, can we shoot this as a one <laughs> like, No, no, no. <laughs> Which, like, I mean, again, we would have would have loved to see it. Like, you know, give me like four steady cams, <laughs> like, you yeah, know, just like. But you know, we it, it works. It all works, and it and it works because of the song. That's the other thing. Like, it's if it's perfect for what it is because of the music that's being used. And I can't even think of another song from that era that would be more appropriate. Like, I'm, like, thinking... And I'm someone who knows a decent amount of, like, big jazz standards. Mm -hmm. But this is the one. Like, this is the one that works. So, yeah, it it was not my favorite episode, but it was still fun. It had its moments. It had its great lines of dialogue. But, Joe, we end these episodes by talking about pop culture. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, this show really was truly a pop culture moment in in the world when it was happening. Mm -hmm. Is there a pop culture moment currently or even just throughout the history of time that you are just getting on board for in this day and age. Um, <laughs> it's so funny you should mention that because like, I'm trying not to be too current, right? Because I know that... I'm struggling and failing with it. I've, the I next, know. This it's, week and next week is going to be some current stuff that will be dated when this episode comes out. I know, out it's going to sure. be like, oh God, it's so dated. <laughs> I want to say that um, the thing that I love, that's just like just reminding me of all of this is the like solidly early aughts fashion choices like okay. just the fashion in general of just like long past the knee shorts and you know the choker like ryan's choker <laughs> like he's a straight man wearing a full leather choker like come on like this is yeah. the spaghetti straps of it all the keds <laughs> the the peds uh like white <laughs> sneaker the these like sh- these skirts like it's very it's giving aeropostale it's giving you know all of this like i remember going to the mall and being like this is where the cast of the oc shops like <laughs> You walk into a Hollister, right? And it's like dark. And then all of a sudden it's the opening guitar riff from Dare You to Move, right? (laughs) That's, every time I look at this show, I'm like, this is exactly what, like, this is how people dressed in that time. Popped collar, polo shirts, like literal polo, Izod, like all of that stuff. right. I I accept that as an answer. Yeah, that is a... That is a throwback, but a thing that I can also see coming back sooner rather than later because we're we're in the '90s Renaissance right now, and the '90s Renaissance I think is going to be short lived. I think we're going to get right into those early aughts. Uh, I think that Gen soon. Z is very much living for like you know <laughs> the decay that was the '90s for sure. Also, side note about Gen Zers: there's a podcast that I produce where one of the hosts is uh, on that borderline of a millennial into a Gen Zer, as you know. And uh, he texted me the other day in all caps and said, why did you never tell me that CeeLo Green was also Gnarls Barkley? 
And I find it so funny that this is like new information to people in 2022. But it's not but... technically true, though, right? Because Gnarls Barkley is CeeLo and Danger Mouse, right? So Gnarls yeah. Barkley is like, it, this is the whole... Is it Bonnie... is a collaboration. I think his point is, I had no clue that okay. that was CeeLo Green's voice singing the song Crazy. But this is one of those things where it's like, it's is Bonnie Vare a person or a band, right? Yes. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, so my pop culture promo thing is going to be super current and super dated for when this episode comes out. But um, Atlanta wrapped up its final season and it was mm. just a flawless season of television. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is four perfect seasons of television. Donald Glover, I am, I am waiting for Donald Glover to fully complete his transformation into being the next Jordan Peele who just starts making these very interesting compelling horror movies because so much of atlanta when they would do these weird side stories had a horror angle (laughs) to them that i'm just like just do it just pull the trigger make make a crazy fucking psychological horror film that tackles everything that's happening in the cultural uh life right now because he clearly has that gift in in this season of atlanta and uh i expect that gift is only going to flourish more over time sure yeah but joe we'll be back next week to talk about the debut <laughs> uh, i'm i'm catching a a uh, naming theme across these episodes <laughs> very how very friends of them yes how subtle too <laughs> yeah. the subtlety so we will watch the debut which is a great name for episode four of a TV series. (laughs) And we'll be back with our first guest. Yay. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 